a worship session, I just find myself singing the, the, the song in my head. And sometimes I get up here and I'm like, just make sure you don't sing on the mic. Just make sure you don't sing on the mic. <laughs> uh, but thanks to Jamie and the team for leading us in worship. Uh, tonight we continue in our series, The Church Matters. Um, and as we're talking about The Church Matters, we're going to be looking at the matters of the church. Now tonight, even as we gather together, I just want to even praise God and thank God for the local gathering. I want to just thank God that as saints we can gather together like this to worship God, to sit under the preaching of His Word, to pray together, and just to exalt His name. But even as we begin with that, I, I want to start off and unapologetically push for the local church in the life of every believer. If you are a believer sitting here this evening, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that the local church is important. If you are a believer here this evening and you are not a member of a specific local church, I want you to leave here tonight questioning yourself, where do I belong? To what local church do I belong? And, and I don't mean this as a visitor. So you, maybe you've come to Central Baptist Church a few months or a few weeks and, and you, you feel like, yeah, I belong here. Take up membership. So I, I want you to think, what local church do I belong to? Not as a visitor, but a church where I, I share allegiance with the people there. A church where I share my resources, I share my life. A church where I am a member. So from the outside, I want you from the outset, I want you to know that this membership cannot be online. From the beginning already, I want to say that there is no such thing as the online church. So if you gathered with us online this evening, I want to say especially welcome to you. But I want you as you sit and you listen through this message to ask yourself the question, to speak with your family and say to each other, when will we return to the gathering? Because the gathering is of great, great value and importance to the life of of a believer. You see, a church becomes a church in its gathering. It exemplifies the universal church in the gathering. We heard last week about a puzzle, and, and many times when I, I think about a local, the, the local church or the universal church, I, I think about this puzzle piece, and, and in the scriptures, we have the big picture. We have the picture that's on the box. We, we know what this, this finished product of the church, the bride of Christ, will look like. But what about now? The picture on the box we see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand, crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So that's the last picture. So what does it look like for us today as we get there? Why should we gather together now before that great and glorious day? So turn with me this evening to Acts chapter 2. And we'll start our reading from verse 37. Acts chapter 2. And we'll start reading from verse 37. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 reads, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So, Father, even as we go through your word this evening, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts, Lord, to the reception of your word, and God, even as you speak through your word and through me, just a vessel, just an instrument in your hand, God, I pray that your truth, Lord, would really convict our hearts and lead us to a place of righteousness. I pray, Father, that we would all see the importance of the local church this evening. Help us, Lord, to see its intrinsic value in our lives. Help us, God, even to consider to which church am I a member Father, help us to take membership important. Lord, help us, Lord, to take it seriously. But Lord, help us to not just be members by a signed piece of paper that's going to sit in our office. But Lord, may we be a church that participates together, that enjoys fellowship with with each other, that actively loves each other. So God, I pray that you use these words tonight to challenge us to that end. Challenge us, Lord, to be saints who are actively working to build your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I'd like us to consider this evening is the heart of this new gathered community or the heart of the gathered community. So what happened in Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Spirit had come upon the disciples and Peter, he gets up, right? He gets up and he preaches what I would say was a powerful sermon. And he preaches this, this sermon or this message with Christ as its center, with, with the gospel as its primary aim. The response to this sermon was great conviction. In fact, we read, we read it say, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter responds to them and says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
What, what Jesus, what Peter does here in this passage is he, he shares with them the gospel and then he tells them, what, what should you do to respond to the gospel? And, and this response, as you become a believer, is the blueprint of what makes up a local church. So I've outlined these as identifiers. When you join a local church, this is what you're identifying with. The first thing, identify with them through genuine repentance. Identify with them through genuine repentance. We, we made this point last week, and I want to make this point again this week, even before we move on. You will not be a fruitful, let alone an effective member of this local community if you are not a believer. To be even clearer, you are not actually part of this community if you are not a believer. Your access point into the local church, into membership into the local church, is through faith in Christ. And as Baptists, we actually call it regenerate church membership because we believe that only those who are born again can become members of a local church. So, how can you edify or build someone up in Christ if you yourself are not in Christ? How will you minister to us as believers if you do not have the fruit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, let alone the presence of the Spirit in your life? We read that true faith in Christ brings about the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So before I move on, I must ask you the question, do you believe in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your soul? Please do not leave here tonight without placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Please believe in Jesus today for the salvation of your sins, for the salvation of your soul. For if you do not believe in Jesus, you will pay justly the penalty for your own sin in eternity in hell. Sinclair Ferguson writes, I, I don't know if you ever lived in a rural part of the world where there are shepherds and sheep. But if you have, you notice something happening when the shepherd appears and he gathers his sheep using his sheepdog. They not only come near to the shepherd, but they also brought near to the shepherd. They are inevit inevitably brought nearer to one another so that when we are called to faith in Jesus Christ, we are called not only to come to him, but to come nearer to each other. As the shepherd calls us home, as we are gathering towards the shepherd, you look to your left, you look to your right, you'll notice that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. So you see, one of the symbols that Christ has given to us to visibly show this truth that Sinclair Ferguson is talking about is baptism. And that's my second sub-point. Identify with them through the waters of baptism. Baptism is how the church marks out the people of God. See, when someone is baptized, they're not only going, sorry, they're not only going public with their faith, but the church is also is also affirming that their profession is credible. Remember, it is the church that gathers together. You go into that pool. 
We listen to your testimony. We listen to your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the pastor has asked you. And then we bear witness of you going fully into the waters of baptism, being baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And we, as we gather, are giving, as it were, a stamp of approval that this person's profession of faith is credible. So even as we see in our passage, the people first, they heard the gospel, they convicted of their sin, they repent in faith, in faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are baptized, and they join the church. You see, baptism doesn't just mark someone's commitment to follow Jesus, but it also marks that person's commitment to follow Jesus' people. So even as you sit there tonight, I must ask the question, If you haven't been baptized, why aren't you baptized? Why haven't you followed the Lord in obedience through the waters of baptism? If you are baptized, how are you doing in walking before the church you were baptized into through faith in Christ? How are you doing in holding those accountable that you witnessed being baptized? How are you doing in praying for those who are in your community who are repentant and who are baptized? Because as we've gone to Christ, we now have the responsibility to look out for those around us. The third identifier is identify through your holiness or separateness from the world. In verse 40, it reads, And with many words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Recognize that God has called you into his family. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of reconciliation who meet in an embassy leading people to Christ, who is the only way to the kingdom of heaven. And this very embassy here at Central Baptist Church, it sits on foreign land because around us is darkness of a great kind. And in this embassy shines light because the ambassadors of Christ are ambassadors of light. So dear ambassador, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I might be poor, I might be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Sinclair Ferguson, I have it up there. He says, now this is something we really need to understand in the 21st century. We live in a day when families are dysfunctional, when communities are dysfunctional, when governments sometimes seem out of control, and it's within that context that the church of Jesus Christ can shine as it is functional with Christ as the head. So we see in verse 41, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Where were these 3,000 souls gathered, and to whom were were they added to? That's my next point. The commitment to this gathered community through membership. The commitment to this gathered community 
through membership. You see, although the, the term or the phrase membership or church membership is not seen throughout the Bible or throughout the New Testament, I want you to know that it is implied through it. Paul, in his letters, he wrote to a church that was, he wrote to gathered communities in different locations and in different times. He wrote to a church that was gathered at Corinth. He wrote to the church that was gathered in Priscilla's house. So 90 of the 110 plus um, references to the ecclesia refers to a church that is gathered at a specific place. So when Paul wrote his letter, his letters, he was writing to a specific people that were gathered at a specific place. So my question tonight is, what gathering are you a part of? If Paul was writing a letter to a specific people gathered at a specific place, what place would that be where you are a part of that people? What church have you identified with in your gathering? Are you accountable as a member of a local church? Not just signing the membership process, but giving your life in service to this body. In verse 31, we see that those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. These believers were gathered to a specific people in a specific place. They would gather under a specific eldership. They would gather together at a specific venue for worship. And they would be disciplined, if necessary, by that church that they have identified with. How else would we hold you accountable as an eldership if you are not a member of our church? How else can the church come and discipline you if you are not a part of the local church? The universal church cannot discipline you because the question you must ask yourself is, which church would you be put out if you're disciplined by the universal church? So church discipline is done by the local body. Elders, who would you give an account of? The elders of this new gathered church would give an account for the 3,000 souls that were added to this body. God would hold them accountable for how they shepherded, how they cared for, how they managed the church of Christ that was given under their care. So elders at Central Baptist Church, how are we doing in being accountable to God for shepherding the souls that God has entrusted to our care. Church membership matters. Pastor Charles earlier this year preached a sermon. In fact, go listen to it. And he preached a sermon that was titled, Church Seen as a Prostitute or the Bride of Christ. As I was preparing this, that sermon came to mind again because we as people easily revert back to seeing and using the local church as a prostitute, an organism that meets our temporal felt needs with little to no strings attached. It is sad that we often treat the local church also like a subscription service. As soon as it stops meeting my needs or I find a more appealing, less commitment-demanding community, man, I'll cancel my subscription to this local church and I'll join another one. Tonight, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to settle. 
Tonight, I want to encourage you to commit. Commit to a local church that God has called you to. Be a participant of that local church that is striving to be biblical. What does this look like? Number one, gospel communities are grounded in the word of God. Paul instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. He says to him, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture and to, the, and to exhortation and teaching. It is important that the local church upholds Scripture. As Baptists, we call ourselves as people of the book because we believe that our lives must come under the authority of Scripture because Scripture is sufficient sufficient for life and godliness. Joel Beek would write, the Puritans understood that a mindless Christianity fosters a spineless Christianity. R.C. Sproul said, mindless Christianity is not Christianity at all. I mean, Jesus made the same point when he said that some will build the house on the sand and this house will not stand when the storms come and hit against it. You, however, are to build your house on the solid rock and this solid rock is the word of God. This church, Central Baptist Church, will only stand if its members prioritize God's word. If we are talking about Central Baptist Church, we are not talking about this building, but we are talking about the people who are its members. So as a member, how are you doing in upholding God's word? This church will stand if its elders are unapologetic about their stance on the scriptures, if they remain the beacon of light that God has called us to be, protecting the flock from the wolves that are lurking in the dark. Church, it is far better for people to be divided by truths of God's word than to be united by error. The folks at the Tower of Babel showed tremendous unity, but what united them was error, and they were united against the will of God. This can be true for us today. The church can fall into the same trap, and unfortunately, many times it does. So the challenge, first to the elders, elders, keep a close watch on yourselves and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourselves and the hearers. To the church at large, my challenge to you as a member. Be like those in Berea. They received the word with all eagerness. It reminds me as well about those who went to Ezra and they said to Ezra, bring the book. May we be those people. They received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So when we gather church, We need to be inclined to listen and engage with preaching by being present when the body gathers. Showing our unity when those who also come for the express purpose of hearing and submitting to God's word being proclaimed. There's a great unity that is being displayed even as you sit there listening to the preaching of God's word. Second thing I want us to notice about these gospel communities is 
Gospel communities are faithful to fellowship. This is important because God uses the local church as a vehicle to obedience to his great command to not just love God, but also to love your neighbor. Interesting enough, our Bible study just finished 1 John, and it's interesting to note that John does not equate loving your neighbor as a sign of spiritual maturity. Instead, he, he, he equates it as a sign of faith. Listen to what he says. He says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his neighbor. So the question then is, what am I talking about when I'm talking about fellowship? When should we fellowship? We see it in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together. So we need to fellowship on a Sunday. The gathering of the saints on the Lord's day is what must be a priority in our lives. But I also want you to know that the gathering of the church is not new to the, to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see the day of assembly. We see the assembly of the Lord. We see the assembly of Israel. Three times is that word ecclesia. So God has always intended that his people gather together physically to worship him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, a passage we know so well. The writer of the Hebrew says, And let us consider, think about, ponder, strategize, put effort in, how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. But how can we do this when we're not seeing each other? Verse 25, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. When should we stop gathering? When should we stop considering how to spur one another to love and good works? (laughs) When we gather the last time when Jesus calls us home. So it is in the local church that we can put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. We can put on kindness, humility. We can show meekness to each other. We can put on patience. We can bear with one another. If one has a complaint against another man in the local church, we can forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10a, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied gift. As you sit there as a believer, you have a spiritual gift. I want to encourage you tonight, do not waste your gift. We need it as your brothers and sisters in Christ to be edified. If you don't know what your gift is, how else will you know if you are not practicing the gifts of the Spirit? John MacArthur would say, it is only through the ministry of the local church that a believer can receive the kind of teaching, accountability, and encouragement that is necessary for him to stand firm in his convictions. God has ordained that the church provide the kind of environment where where an uncompromising life can thrive. 
So church, please do not forsake the gathering. The second thing, not just on a Sunday, but in the week, we see it says there, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. When the whole church hears God's word proclaimed, that word then becomes the basis for further conversation and growth in one-on-one discipleship conversations that follow. The sermon gets everyone on the same page, but personal discipleship expands on the details of that page, said a commentator. Church is not just on a Sunday that we are together together, but we are called to do life together. Do not forsake the gathering in the temple, but add to it the gathering in each other's homes even if that home is a res. Church, it is not one or the other. It's both and. We need this life-on-life fellowship so that we can be held accountable to not let our hearts be hardened by sin. Again, the writer, of the, writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Take care, brothers, Lest there be any of you, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the loving God, the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. Why? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There are those who may be caught up in sin. But God has called us as a community. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Right in the mic. <laughs> Sorry. God has called us as a community to come alongside each other and to rebuke each other where they sin and to call each other to Christ. Church, something special happens when we fellowship in each other's homes. Something even greater happens when we share a meal together. It is, it is not about the lavishness of that meal. So it's not about steak tartare or spaghetti bolognese or whatever meal you're thinking of in your mind. But the question, it's all about gathering together, bringing people together. So I want to ask you the question, when last did you host someone in your home? Even if you, you fed them noodles, even if you fed them bread and water, When last did you at least do it? Have someone in your home. Church, let's break the shallow barrier of community and go deeper as a church that does life together. Number three, gospel communities share around the Lord's table. Gospel communities share around the Lord's table. Sam Amadi, a writer and blogger, writes, The Lord's Supper assumes we are one united, reconciled body. It's a family meal. The Lord's Supper then is meant to function like a net, catching any unchecked pride or bitterness that church members might be harboring toward one another. Because when we gather together, we are to examine our hearts and plead for forgiveness, seek restitution before we partake. You might have heard it said before, 
that baptism unites the one to the many, whilst the Lord's Supper unites the many to the one. Church, God was intentional, even with these two church ordinances, to show us his desire to have us united as a gathered community. So again, when was the last time you asked yourself, when we were having communion, do I love my brothers and sisters who are standing beside me? As we sit around the table, God calls us to do so in love, in harmony, in forgiveness, as you remember his death that secured you, that secured our forgiveness for a debt that was even greater than any debt we might have towards one another. So as you sit here tonight, I want to ask the question, Is there a root of unforgiveness or bitterness that is nesting in your heart? Do not delay. Do not delay. Please make things right. Seek after reconciliation as soon as possible, for the Lord requires this of us as community. Fourthly, we're almost at the end. Gospel community share their lives together. Gospel community shares their lives together. We see this in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Jesus said that that the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. John, the disciple, remembering these words of Christ, he writes in 1 John, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, those within the household of the faith. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, as you go through the scriptures, there's an emphasis. There's an emphasis given that the church is to care for those who are within the household of the faith, and then the church is to reach out to the world. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, So then, we have, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. The early church Man, they got that word fellowship. They understood that that Greek word koinonia. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love and being of one spirit and purpose. That's where that word kononia comes from. 
It is the word used for fellowship amongst believers. It, it means being in agreement with one another, being united in purpose, serving alongside one another. So when you hear appeals from this pulpit that there is a member who is hungry, when you hear appeals from this pulpit that there is a member who is grieving, when you hear appeals from this pulpit that there is a member who is looking for a job or is looking for a, a car or is looking for something, they're talking to you as a member. How can you help easily we sit on the pew and we think someone else is going to help it's our responsibility to care for each other to care for the brothers in christ what does this look like practically i have it up there different verses be devoted to one another honor one another live in harmony with one another accept one another serve one another in love be kind and compassionate to one another admonish one another encourage one another spur one another toward love and good deeds offer hospitality love one another this is what true biblical fellowship should look like is this true of you so to close, number five, gospel communities are greatly used and blessed by God. Our last verse there in Acts says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If we take care of numbers four to five, as I've shared with us tonight, God takes care of growing his church. Whoever walks through those doors and has been sent to us by God, the question should be, how are we doing in ministering and caring for them? God calls his lost sheep home and places them in gospel communities. What role will you play in participating in God's kingdom work in building his church? Specifically, where will you play this role? Where will you sign up for membership and be connected, be, be tied together, be married to a local church? What church will that be? Obviously, I pray to be us here at Central, but that's not the point. The point is you must be a member of a local church. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it is you who is building his church. Thank you, Father, that we can gather together as a community and just enjoy all the benefits of being able to love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, admonish one another, rebuke one another, and instruct one another in righteousness. God, I do pray for the church here at Central that, God, we would be a church that centers on your word a church that really holds highly the scriptures. Lord, I pray that your members and the leadership of this church would continue to see your word as being sufficient, as being our authority for life and godliness. God, I do pray that you would, you would grow this community. God, don't just, we, I'm not just praying that we grow numerically, but God, I'm praying that, that we grow deeper in the way that we get involved in each other's lives. So God, firstly, I pray for the Sunday gathering. God, as we gather together on the Lord's day, I do pray that you'd protect us from forsaking this gathering. 
Lord, so many things happen. There's a lot that is just pulling for our time, pulling for our attention, consuming, Lord, our time, and even going up on the priority list. God, I pray that you'd help us to rearrange our priorities where, again, you are number one. God, I also pray for those who are watching this via the stream and still have fears, Lord, for the virus. God, I do pray that you continue working in their hearts and Lord, you'd lead them to a place where they too are able to get the confidence to say, let us go back to the local church. God, I also want to think about the shut-ins who listened to this sermon and could be discouraged. Lord, I pray that this sermon would encourage us as a local church to go and see them, minister to them, love them as they can't physically come. So help us to go to them, Lord, and help them to enjoy the beauty of the gathering. But Lord, help us to see that church matters. I pray, Lord, for those who haven't been baptized yet. I pray, Lord, that you'd lead them to that step. That, Lord, we could gather around them and celebrate as we listen to their testimony. That, God, we can just shout out praise to God as somebody obeys you through the waters of baptism. God, I also pray if there's one who listened to this message, Lord, and they don't know Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you'd please save them tonight. I pray that your word would cut their hearts, that they too would be like those in in Acts chapter 2, cut at the hearts and asking themselves the question, what should we do? Repent and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then be baptized. So I pray that you'd even lead us now as we think about these things to apply them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.